Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Stories in the Dark. This is season three of our spooky little podcast, and our theme this season is Monsters and Mayhem. I hope you enjoy our stories, because we certainly enjoy you. Before we get started, I want to give a special shout out to our new illustrator. Her name is Born Angel Author, and you can find her on DeviantArt, where all of her deviant little pictures are stored. She'll be doing most of our artwork for the show, and I love what she's done so far. I'm excited for you to see it. But for now, we are going to dive into the next episode of Season 3. This one is called Angels. And you might be wondering what angels have to do with our theme of monsters and mayhem. But you'll find out. I'm lying on the floor, eyes aimed at the sky, joint in my hand. I can't actually see the sky from here, just a stained ceiling. But I see with my mind and heart and those are soaring free, all blue skies and yellow sun and fire. The party moves around me, men and women clumping and separating, coming together and drifting apart. In that special rhythm, only large groups of people with nothing to do can create. I ignore them all, lost in my own fog. I am here. I am there as well. Untethered. Unconnected. I float. Until she sits on the couch near my section of floor, her long legs bare, sandaled feet crossed somewhere in the vicinity of my neck. Her toenails are painted mauve, a color long out of fashion. She sighs, long and drawn out, and I feel the weight of her attention on me. I feel her longing to have someone pay attention to her. I do not wish to be bothered, but then she stretches and curls her toes, and something about it pulls at me, pulls me down from the sky. A memory of something. I guess, at some point, we try to fix the things we left behind. Reliving them gives us a chance, a hope, something. So I turn on my side and look up past those legs. Her hair is long and blonde and tangled. Her skin flushed from the sun and she's wearing one of those short sundresses all the girls wear. It's a faded black, faded from the sun, from too much wear, and her nails are bitten down. Have you ever seen an angel? she asks me, and takes the joint from my hand. The smoke drifts lazily around her head like a halo. The noise of the party falls away again. She is the only thing I can hear, her and the buzzing of my head, 
and we float together up into the sky. I talk to angels, she says at one point, and I nod. They call my name. I don't know what she's on, but whatever it is, I'm not surprised she thinks she talks to angels. A lot of junkies do. She gets down from the couch and lays down on the floor next to me, and I see the tracks in her arm, a tracery of needles and pain. We hold hands and I try to sing her pain away. The party slows and hushes as I sing. I do not do this often, and the hope that I will sing is the only reason they keep me around. The people who own this house. The people who throw these parties and pay for the drugs. She probably thinks I am one of them, but I am not. I am their pet, and I like the life I have here. She moves to unzip my jeans, but I wave her off. She won't find what either of us are looking for there. When I stop singing, the party picks back up, slowly, and everyone has a glazed look on their faces. They go home not long after, but she stays with me. I am not used to people staying with me. I am too strange, too uncanny, too different. And most people take what they need and then leave, satisfied and ashamed. It's okay, though. This is a nice life. I've been in worse places with much worse people. It means something that she wants to stay, so I let her. She talks and talks and talks. That's okay, too. I like to listen. She tells me about bands she has followed, festivals she goes to, her favorite music. Her voice is like music to me. It's so lovely, lilting and melodic, rising and falling, rising and falling, and somehow I fall asleep, lulled by her careless words. I wake at one point. She is still talking, telling the story of a little boy, a little boy who died too young. She carries a lock of his hair in her purse. I haven't noticed the purse before. It is brown suede, fringed, another relic of the past, and she lifts the flap and takes out a lock of hair, dark blonde or light brown, it's hard to tell in the faded light. She holds it with her thumb and finger and strokes it till her eyes go far away. Something that feels like sadness washes through me, and so I sing to her again. I sing until she stops talking, and she closes her eyes, and she falls asleep on the floor next to me. One of the owners of the house comes and brings us blankets and pillows. They like me to be comfortable, and they do not mind guests, although the man, I think his name is Alex, gives me a look, both searching and warning, before going back upstairs. When we wake in the morning, she asks me my name. 
James, I tell her. There is silence for a moment, and then I remember my manners. And yours? Alice, she says, and pulls a silver case out of her purse. She passes me the joint after she lights it. It's laced with something, but I don't care. Her name isn't Alice. I wonder why she would lie. The drug hits me and she starts talking again. I'm an orphan, she lies again. This time the story is better. A lost family fortune. A car accident on slippery roads. A grief that wouldn't end. The grief is real, even if nothing else is. We make our way to the kitchen. Coffee will help, although my blood is flying too high to be grounded, even by the lethal coffee we have in the kitchen. I might as well try, though, and coffee is one of the things I enjoy in this world. So either way, I will still be happy. The kitchen here is all windows, big leaded glass panes, and the bright sun is warm and clean on our faces. She tells me about the manor house she grew up in, playing in the halls with other children, but she won't tell me who they are. She doesn't need to, and I don't care. We pass the days like this, coffee and sunlight, drugs and music and talking. The hosts have another party, and I sing more than normal. They are happy. They tell me I am doing well so they tolerate her. But all the talking is wearing on her. Her hair is fading, her eyes less bright, her skin muddier, no longer clear. I sing her to sleep, and when she finally does, I tell her it's okay. She won't be able to stop talking until she tells me what she came here to say. She fights it. She fights in her dreams, tossing and turning. She reaches for me again, and still, I don't let her. There are more stories of children, playing in the sun, the gardens of her house, the giant hallways, the kitchens, and I begin to see. Alex catches her shooting up in the bathroom, and he tells her she can't do that here. No needles, he says. Stop it or leave. She gives him the needles, but she isn't happy to have been caught. She tells me an angry story that night, words full of knives, and I start to wonder when she will leave. I don't want to sing anymore. The hosts notice. I can tell but they are too polite to say anything. They have seen me go through phases before, but never like this. Never this long. I will have to ask her to leave soon. Now, when I wake, she is watching me. It is time. She is not satisfied, but still she must go. I tell her that night, staring up at the stained ceilings and the stars she's painted on it. The hosts aren't happy, I say. You'll need to leave soon.
She sniffles and rubs her nose. Her dirty hair is up in a bun, and the mauve polish is chipped off her toes. You still haven't answered me, though, she says, wiping her nose with her hand. I think back. What? Have you ever seen an angel? Her eyes are searching me, searching for a truth. Ah, that's right. I need to tell her the truth. A lie won't serve. Not in a long time, I tell her. She seems to relax at last. I can see the tension draining from her like a black smoke. I'm glad this is over. She can leave tomorrow. She's gotten what she wanted. The hosts make a fantastic fish stew for dinner with sourdough bread and wine. It is a farewell feast. I don't know if she knows it, but we enjoy it all the same. She reaches up during dinner to rub a speck of sauce from my cheek. It is smooth, and she runs her fingers over my skin for a moment longer than necessary. So soft, she whispers. I will never need to shave. I have a room in the house. I have not slept in it since she came. We always sleep tangled up on the floor where she met me like puppies. I'll look forward to sleeping in my bed when she leaves, but I hold onto her while I can on this last night. My solitude misses me. It calls to me. I listen to it as the moon sweeps overhead. My shoulders itch with it. I long to be out there under the silver light. I long to be out from under this weight. Something is pressing on my chest. The weight of it wants to crush me. The blankets are scratchy and I try to roll over to get more comfortable. But I cannot. The weight on my chest is too much. It is her. I see her when I open my eyes. Straddling my chest. A silver knife held above her head. It matches the silver case she keeps her drugs in. I believe she has had it in her purse this entire time. The lock of hair swings from a cord around her neck, tied to a cross, a grim talisman. I talk to angels, you know, she says, and the glint in her eyes has gone mad. They all know my name. She has the knife in her right hand. She lowers it to my throat and holds the cross with her left. What are you doing, Alice? I ask. She starts. I have never used her fake name, and she has forgotten she gave it to me. This is how I see them, she answers, and presses the knife harder. You don't know what you're doing, I suggest. You should stop. 
She rocks back and forth and raises her eyes up to the sky, to the dark stars we cannot see. She lifts the knife high, high. She holds it in both hands now. Her eyes are spinning, lights in the darkness. Madness can be so bright. Put the knife down, I tell her. The moon comes closer. It likes to watch. The light outside gets brighter and brighter, coming through the one window. Alice is rocking faster and faster now, pressing down on my chest. She is so much heavier than she looks. She won't do it. She won't stab me. She won't. The rocking stops, and she leans down until we are eye to eye. I do not like being this close to her. There is a smell coming from her, a smell of sickness. She is covered in the scent of death. I do not know how I missed it before. It's cloying. It is choking me worse than her weight on my chest. You killed all those little boys, didn't you? It bursts out of me. She is still too close to me. Little angels, they were. Precious little angels, she says. The lock of hair on the cross is swinging above my eyes. Again. And this time, I see it for real. It is not just the hair from one little boy. There are many colors in there. Blonde and brown and black and ginger as well. That's how I see the angels, she says, breathlessly. I take the little ones. I start keening then. I can't help it. I didn't want this to happen. I wanted her to just go on her way. But now that I know, it is too late. It is far too late. Those poor little boys. My keening gets higher and higher. She presses her hands to her ears. I want to see him, she shouts. The cross is dancing above me. I want to see Jesus. If I take one more of his angels, I get to see him. Just one more. Just you, James. And then she plunges the knife down towards my throat. All of the windows shatter inward, and the cold white light of the moon pours in, bathing the room, drowning her. She's bleeding on me. Her blood rains down on me, and she drops the knife and falls backward, screaming. She holds the cross up. She is blinded, shards of glass in her eyes, and I sit up and kneel beside her. I just want to meet him, she sobs. I shake my head. No, little one, 
This isn't the way. I smooth her dirty blonde hair back from her head, leaving trails of blood in it. It was so pretty before. She was so pretty before I knew. You will never meet him, I tell her. She isn't dying. She's just cut and shattered. I go into the kitchen and let the hosts come downstairs. They take her somewhere. They don't tell me where. When they come back, they clean the room, getting rid of all the glass and the blood. I don't speak. I have nothing to say. Months pass. The window is long since fixed. The hosts ask me if it's okay if they hold another party. I'm ready, so I agree. My shoulders itch and I long to fly under the sun again, so I agree. Only a little longer now. Only a little longer till I earn my wings back. And until then, I sing. <laughs>